0: to take your hands off the wheel and your eyes off the road. Although Guderian didn't know it, once he began disobeying orders from above in the race to the English Channel, there was a first and second prize awaiting. The second prize was trapping the Allied armies that had advanced into Belgium against the coast. That would be the bulk of the Allied armies and would effectively end the Battle of France. The glittering prize, though, was to take Dunkirk before 24 May 1940, beating the British there, so that the entire British army would be captured and Hitler would win World War II. So let's start the race. Drivers, please start your engines. The divisions that the French had on standby near the Brother Sirius Pinbrick at Sedan were more than enough to cope with the isolated German panzer units. Chief of the German General Staff, Fritz Halder, didn't believe that the panzer divisions that had crossed the Meuse could have any directly operational effect on the course of the campaign. But he was wrong. What this campaign was going to show was that it was the speed of the units that counted, not their numerical strength. Being in the right place at the right time was what was going to prove decisive. A major part of Panzer Group Kleist was the 41st Panzer Corps. It included the 6th Panzer Division commanded by General Major Werner Kempf. On 25th January 1944, four months before the beginning of the Battle for France, Kempf summarised his correct understanding of Manstein's original instruction for the execution of the attack by the Panzers, against France. He said this, When facing an enemy who has fast and mobile reserves, an effective breakthrough or a timely envelopment is possible only if the attack is ceaselessly pushed with the utmost speed and force deep into the enemy's deployment. All of these panzer generals that I've just named were under the direct command of General Gerd von Rundstedt the commander of Army Group A. His chief of staff had been Erich von Manstein, who had conceived the brilliant sickle-cut plan, which would reap amazing results, only if it was allowed to be carried out like Kempf had just outlined. But Franz Halder, chief of the staff of the German army, had replaced Manstein with a more conservative army officer, General Jörg von Sodenstern and Helder had given him his instructions to do the opposite of what Kempf had just enunciated, even though this instruction was after a modified version of the Manstein plan was approved to be implemented. Helder's orders to von Södenstern read, "...an immediate operational level effect deriving from the Panzer units that are first across the Meuse River is not expected." only after infantry formations with adequate strength have taken up the required movement space west of the Meuse and have a firm grip on it, can one consider combining the still usable panzer units with an operational objective. Reinhardt's corps had been deployed in terrain that was almost impossibly difficult, especially for motorised forces. What was said about the Ardennes and the Meuse being impenetrable to tanks was truest in this part of the Ardennes. The overall plan was for Panzer Corps Guderian and Reinhardt's Corps to cross the Meuse River side by side and simultaneously at 1600 hours on 13 May. Reinhardt's Corps was made up of three divisions the 6th and 8th Panzer Divisions and the 2nd Motorized Infantry Division. But the only division of Reinhardt's corps that had reached the Merz River starting line on time for the simultaneous attack were elements of the 6th Panzer Division, being the 3rd Battalion of the 4th Rifle Regiment, one Panzer Battalion and one Artillery Battalion. The 8th Panzer Division didn't reach the river until 16th May, The 2nd Motorised Infantry Division arrived earlier, but still more than a day behind schedule late on the afternoon of the 4th of May. The 3rd Infantry Division of the 3rd Corps had reached the Meuse in time for the planned panzer crossing on 13th May. As a consequence, it was now given the task of crossing the Meuse River first. This flipped Manstein's sickle-cut plan on its head. With infantry and not Panzers now going to lead the way. That was not a good development. The Luftwaffe support that had been so brilliant and so decisive for Guderian's crossing of the Meuse on 13th May wasn't nearly as good for the 6th Panzer Division. The unit's diary recorded that it was rather ineffective when it came to hitting the enemy facing the division. But it did a real good job in hitting our own units. Some Luftwaffe pilots lost their way over the heavily wooded terrain which the Meuse River meandered through, and they mistakenly hit German units, mainly the rather scant artillery of the 6th Panzer Division that had reached its destination. It was decimated. Two guns were lost, and 30 men, including 14, were killed. Despite this cockup and despite the orders that the 3rd Infantry Division was to lead the charge, the 6th Panzer Division crossed the Meuse River, as planned, on the 13th, and took Mont-Thermé that evening, thus creating a second bridgehead to the one that Guderian had created. mont however, proved to be a dead end. It was at the end of a long peninsula, and the excellent 2nd Battalion, 42nd Colonial Regiment of the 102nd Fortress Division, Made up of races inferior to the German Aryan supermen, succeeded in bottling up the German troops coming from Montfermeil. Von Rundstedt by now had no faith in the idea of Panzer forces operating independently the way that Manstein had envisaged. He ordered that if Panzer Group Kleist was unable to cross the Meuse on its first attempt, then it would remain independent directly under army group A but if it didn't the panzers would be taken out of the line and put under the command of one of the infantry armies as an operational reserve a world war 1 way of conducting the battle which would not have produced a strategic result the way that manstein's sickle cut plan most definitely would in view of the fact that the 6th panzer division was now apparently trapped in the montferme peninsula at 1200 on 15th May, Army Group A ordered Panzer Group Kleist placed under the 12th Army. The idea of using Panzers independently was a foolhardy idea anyway that had inevitably proved a failure. The war diary of Panzer Group Kleist recorded, Everything depends on whether we are now able to get across the Meuse. There we are temporarily stopped on our own strength so that we may thus retain operational freedom of action. Otherwise, there would be reason to fear that the fast-moving formations would now be employed, sticking very closely to the infantry corps with a correspondingly shorter-range objective that would practically have signified the end of the von Kleist group as an independent operational formation." As the French would say, quel dommage. What a pity. Things now went from bad to worse for Panzer Group Kleist. At 0400 hours, the 12th Army issued orders that Panzer Corps Reinhardt was going to be taken out of the front line and assigned to the operational reserve. The 6th Panzer Division, however, was going to be left in the front line. It was already there, after all, but it would be transferred to the 3rd Corps. The 6th Panzer Division's lack of enough infantry was seen, through traditional eyes, as rendering it incapable of accomplishing the mission of breaking out. Kleist, formerly a cavalry commander and a less volatile personality than Guderian, now acted more like a panzer leader. Something seemed to happen to Germans when you put them near a lot of tanks. He became rebellious. Kleist now simply ignored his superiors' directives. He ordered all of the major units under his command to continue the attack. Reinhardt took the cue and urged his frontline commanders of the lead elements of the 6th Panzer Division to break through at all costs. When the men of the 6th Panzer Division learned that an ordinary infantry division was going to replace them, they resumed the attack against the blocking French forces with maximum effort, it was a characteristic that distinguished the Germans from the Allies in this campaign, the willingness to attack with vigour and determination and to take casualties if needed. In this renewed attack, a pontoon bridge was built across the Meuse River under cover of darkness around 0100 hours on 15 May to help the division. The renewed attack against the French blocking position opened at 0500 hours. The forest terrain in that area, heavily broken up by rocks, restricted the impact of the panzers that had been moved up to the front. Close quarter infantry combat by the panzer division's infantry was led by its assault engineers who attacked the French pillboxes with flamethrowers and explosive charges. Thanks to their extra effort, And inspired by the orders being made by 12th Army to replace them by a mere infantry division, the blocking position and another reserve position that had been prepared by the French were penetrated in depth by 0930 that day. Army Group A had intended its infantry divisions to gain an adequate and secure bridgehead along the Meurs, placing the Panzer divisions under the 12th Army so that once the infantry divisions had achieved that goal, the army could issue whatever orders were appropriate for the panzer divisions. Only then was the operation to be continued with strong forces. But the 3rd Infantry Division of 3rd Corps couldn't get across the Meuse at Nuzonville, its assigned mission. Reinhardt, therefore, was directed by the 3rd Corps to order elements of the 6th Panzer Division, which had just broken through, to pivot to the south to open up the crossing point for the neighbouring Stuck infantry divisions from the rear. Reinhardt knew what Manstein's operational concepts required, thrusting as deeply as possible into the enemy's positions. Orders appropriate to Manstein's concept were then given by him to General Major Werner Kempf, the commander of the 6th Panzer Division. On 15th May, without waiting for all of the units of his Panzer Division to cross the Meuse River in full strength, Kempf did what the Germans were repeatedly to do during the war. He put together an ad hoc unit called Pursuit Detachment von Isebach specifically to carry out this deep penetration. The detachment was led by Colonel Freiherr Baron von Iszebach, He would later be part of the plot to overthrow Hitler on 20th July 1944. When he was arrested for his part in the plot, he held the rank of General de Panzertruppe. Miraculously, von Isabach survived the war and was liberated from a concentration camp by the Allies. The leading figure of the 20th July conspiracy was Oberst, General Staff, Count von Stauffenberg. During this 1940 campaign in the West, Stauffenberg was General Officer 1B with the 6th Panzer Division. The detachment was thrown together from a combination of available units already across the Meuse, including the 65th Panzer Battalion, 65th Motorcycle Rifle Battalion and five other units, elements of those units that weren't already across the river Meuse were given priority in crossing. By 1500, the detachment was assembled and ready to be let loose at lightning speed to use an appropriate term for the idea of blitzkrieg. After the French block on the Mont-Thermé Peninsula had been penetrated, this ad hoc unit exploited the breakthrough and pushed into the enemy's rear areas as deeply as possible, just the way Manstein had planned. It did not pivot to the south as ordered to help the 3rd Infantry Division. With this force, Kempf pulled off one of the most spectacular coups of the campaign. Reinhardt now confronted all of his superiors with a fate accompli that could not be ignored. By around twenty hundred hours attacking relentlessly Pursuit Detachment von Ezerbach had reached Mont 55 kilometres from its starting position as the crow flies. Scenes that were going to be repeated constantly during this quick race to the channel happened for the first time. The Germans drove through the French columns. Mostly when this happened, there wasn't even any fighting worth mentioning. The French, who didn't expect any enemy formations so far into their rear, were paralysed. On several occasions, dust-covered German columns were assumed to be French or British. They were greeted with friendly waves before the French realised their terrible mistake. More than 2,000 enemy soldiers were taken prisoner, although the Germans had hardly any time to deal with them as they rushed forward to the prize of the Channel. Menstein had clearly seen this reaction in his imaginings of this unique attack back in October 1939, The French command's operational planning collapsed like a house of cards within just a few hours after the push to Montcornet. It had become useless for the French 6th Army to form a new defence line to the west of the Ardennes Canal to block Panzer Corps Guderian because the panzers of the 6th Panzer Division were now far to the rear of that line. On the next day, Kempf and Guderian met in the marketplace at Montcornet, They engaged in self-congratulations over their success. The two German bridgeheads had been merged into one, and the entire French defence in the central sector of the Meuse had collapsed. The fact that the German army, just like the high command of the Luftwaffe, had concentrated its interest completely on Sedan also helped. By breaking through immediately, Guderian had attracted all of the French attention to himself, The French army command simply overlooked the threat coming at it from out of mont When the 6th Panzer Division broke through on 15th May, its panzers were able to push into a vacuum. No attack like this had ever happened before. I think it's unfair to blame the French high command for being unable to anticipate what happened. If Reinhardt had obeyed the orders of the 12th army, it simply wouldn't have happened. From the viewpoint of von Kleist, the most important result of the push to Montcornet was that Kempf had saved Manstein's plan by keeping the panzer groups intact. Because of this unexpected success, Army Group A reversed its previously restrictive order that would have held the panzers back. Panzer Corps Reinhardt came back under the command of Panzer Group Kleist, the Panzer Group, however, continued to be subordinated to 12th Army, but that had no further effect on the way Manstein's plan was unfolding, at least immediately. Panzer Group Kleist was again given official permission to do what it already had been doing, in breach of its orders, attacking far ahead of the 12th Army's infantry divisions. More insubordination and interference to the German plans was to come shortly, both the French High Command and the German High Command had no concept of what this new kind of war that Manstein had envisaged meant. They would remain dazed until after the whole thing was over. Thanks for joining me, Paul, in The Danger Zone. If you have any questions about anything in this program, maybe you could catch up with me for my guided tour at the Australian Armour and Artillery Museum on Saturday morning starting at 10.30am Probably the world's best guided tour of an armour and artillery museum, borrowing the Danish Kulzberg slogan for their beer. If you missed this program, you can catch up with it as a podcast on Spotify, Apple, and many other sites. Search for The Danger Zone, bracket, DZ, close bracket. And if you like this program, you'll definitely love my other program, CYKIAE, also available on the same podcast sites.